الحمد للہ وقفہ السلام علیہ بادہ الدین استفا امابان اعلیہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم وزرو ظاہر الاسم و باطنہ سبحان ربک رب العزت اما اسفون وسلام علیہ المرسلین والحمد للہ رب العالمین اللہم صلی علیہ سیدنا محمد وعلا آلی سیدنا محمد و مبارک وسلم اللہم صلی علیہ سیدنا محمد وعلا آلی سیدنا محمد و مبارک وسلم Allah SWT has made this insan in a very incredible way. And those of you who are physicians and you study anatomy and physiology, you should be well versed with the incredible nature of human creation. Now there are different aspects of a person's health. There's their physical health, you are their physicians to bring a person physical health. Some of you may be mental health professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, that's another type of health. And there's a third type of health which is a person's spiritual health. Now a truly healthy person is that person who is healthy on all three counts. Until now maybe some of you were just looking at two things, physical health and mental health. And there you would also say if somebody has physical health but doesn't have mental health, low quality of life. If somebody has mental health but doesn't have physical health, low quality of life. And we talk about this quality of life indicators. Hmm? Well, what's the highest quality of life is going to be based on the most important, the most critical indicator, and that is our spiritual health. So yes, in fact, indeed, if a person has good physical health and has good mental health, but has poor spiritual health, that's a low quality of life. Now, that's not something that's going to be come up in the MRI scan. That's not something that's going to, you're going to be able to listen to on your stethoscope. That's not something you can assess through a questionnaire or interviewing the patient. That is something that is something in the heart. That has to do in the qalb and the nafs of a person. So first understand some spiritual anatomy, spiritual physiology. That Allah Ta'ala made our body and we also have a batin. Inside that batin there is a ruh and there is a heart of that ruh that is called qalb. Just like in terms of the physical person, the physical heart is the most critical organ of a person's body, just like that the qalb, the spiritual heart, is the most critical part of a person's room. Now imagine if somebody had heart disease, you could, that's a very serious illness. So what if somebody has spiritual heart disease? Why don't we treat that as a serious illness? If somebody has a heart attack, that's a serious issue. If somebody has a spiritual heart attack, they get an uncontrollable surge of lust or anger or envy or jealousy or they get kibbert, the kubb or arrogance, pride in their heart. When are we going to treat that as a serious disease? So it's not just enough to know the spiritual anatomy. You have to look at spiritual cardiology. You have to be healthy spiritually. Can you imagine how sad it would be that we were healthy physically, healthy mentally and unhealthy spiritually? What exam do you think is going to take place on the Day of Judgment? It won't make any difference whatsoever on the Day of Judgment whether a person was physically healthy or unhealthy. In fact, the physically unhealthy may have been forgiven because of their sins. Because the Prophet says that every sickness that afflicts a person, Allah Ta'ala uses that sickness, that illness to forgive their sins and to raise their level at darajat. Just audio. No photo and no audio. Video. You can take your picture of me in your heart. Huh? You can record the words and do whatever you want with them. Alright, so physical health will make a difference on that day. Even mental health. In fact, our deen teaches us that those who are mentally handicapped, if you want to use that term, they just go straight to Jannah on that day of judgment. So what is Allah Ta'ala going to examine on that day? Oh, you who examine people, hmm? oh, that you will also be examined, and you will be examined on your spiritual health. Yes, your heart. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُوا مَعْلًا وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَ اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ يَوْمَ Remember that day. Live every day of this life in anticipation of that day. Live every moment of this life to be successful on that day. And that is the day لَا يَنْفَعُوا مَعْلًا That your money, your property, your possessions, degrees, certificates, board accreditations will be of no benefit to you. وَلَا بَنُونَ And your sons and your children and any relations you had for this world will will be of no benefit to you whatsoever. What will benefit a person that day? إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَ اللَّهَ بِقَلْمٍ A person who brings to Allah Ta'ala a pure heart. Our heart will be examined on that day. 
that would be the vital sign that Allah Ta'ala will look for. The spirituality in the heart, the taqwa in the heart, the haya in the heart. Did you feel Allah Ta'ala in your salah? Were you able to remember Allah Ta'ala in your salah? Were you a lover of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Did you have love for Allah in your heart? Or did you have all types of unlawful loves, lustful loves, romantic loves, attractions and infatuations for ghair mahrams? Did you have a loyal, loving wife at home who was a mother to your children, but still used to be attracted to the colleagues and nurses at work? Allah will check all of this. All of this will be examined. And it's not going to be any old MRI. <laughs> Allah scanning is perfect. Allah scanning is deep. It's more than microscopic level. Allah will look. Sayyidina Rasulullah he said that no one will enter Jannah if they have mithqal dharva, even an atom's particle of kibber in their heart. Look at the examination that Allah will do of our heart in that day. Which one of us can say, I don't have even an atom's particle of kibber in my heart? That all my money, all my learning, all my education, all my degrees have resulted in nothing. I have no pride, no vanity, no conceit at all. Who can say that? Who can say that? You're not going to pass the exam. You know when you guys take our blood test, you have an acceptable range. Huh? And if somebody gets a value out of range, you circle it in red. Huh? So the same thing in our spirituality. There's a certain range. <laughs> And if we were to take a spirituality test, a lot of our values are out of range. Some of our values are critically out of range. Let's take a test. Does this person pray five times a day regularly or not? Some of us are out of range. Does this person pray Fajr every single day or not? Some people are out of range. When they pray, do they feel Allah Ta'ala in their salah or not? They're out of range. So many things. Now if I showed up to you with a blood test and you circled all of them, <laughs> everything is out of range. Huh? I can't even imagine what level of compound physical illnesses a person would have. And we are walking around with compound spiritual illnesses, with multiple values out of range, and we think we're healthy. Hmm? Imam al-Ghazali gave a beautiful example that you will be able to understand. He passed away over 900 years ago, 9 centuries ago, and he wrote his Ihya Ulumuddin, the book to revive all the disciplines of Islamic learning. He says that person who has ailments and illnesses of their heart, but they don't accept it, they don't acknowledge it. He says it's like a leper who has leprosy and you hold a mirror to them and they still deny that anything is wrong with them. Allah Akbar. Huh? Ajeeb. We walk around as if we're spiritually healthy. Hmm? Now yet you just what you say. You, I can't remember what your terms are. The uncooperative patient, huh? the patient who doesn't take their meds regularly, the patient who's in denial, the patient who doesn't seem to understand that they're physically sick, the patient who doesn't go for treatment, the patient who doesn't come for follow-up. Right? This is what you guys you have to do with. And that's a problem. But who, who in the world would have imagined that the doctors of physical health themselves are very poor patients of spiritual health? They're also walking around not getting treated don't take their meds regularly. Miss Fajr, miss this, miss that. Hmm? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You're in a perfect profession. You can understand being perfectly. Hmm? And from what I recall, there are even some illnesses that you have to take the medicine very regularly. If you miss a dose, skip a dose, it can actually affect. Sometimes they start you back from zero. If you tell me to take an antibiotic three times a day for seven days, and one day I take it three times, the next two days I skip it, then on day four, I take five of them. Then again, one or two days, I skip it. Then I take three again for one or two days. Will I get cured? No way. <laughs> right? Because the quantity matters. The dosage matters. The amount matters. I needed a regular amount of that in my bloodstream to get cured of that virus or that infection. That bacterial infection. It's the same thing with pain. You need those five prayers a day. Why are you skipping doses? Hmm? You get upset with your patient if they skip a dose. And you're skipping doses. You skip your morning salah. Sometimes you come home late, you skip your isha salah. Sometimes you show you're busy in work, you skip your dhuhr al-asr salah. You're skipping doses. Hmm? You don't think it works the same way? It works the same way. Same way. Spiritual health and physical health have a lot of parallels. A lot of analog analogous similarities to each other. You can understand these very easily, given the profession that you're in. So we work with doctors. I teach in a medical school in Pakistan. It's called Aachen University. I teach Islamic ethics and Islamic bioethics. We've taught tons. We've taught most of their faculty by now. I've been there for five years. It'll be my sixth year next year. It's very easy for you guys to understand. Very easy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does the same thing in Quran. That there's another part of us which is called our nafs. This nafs needs to be purified. This nafs has the bacteria of sin inside it. فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا this nafs has the bacteria of sin inside it. Therefore, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا 
only successful will be that person who cleans, is cleanses and purifies the tazki of that nafs. It's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen automatically. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to make it happen. You have to be a willing patient. You have to submit yourself to a spiritual doctor. You have to admit yourself for therapy. Yes? Then you get cured. Even Sahaba Ikram. When Allah Ta'ala describes Sahaba Ikram and the Apostles and relationship in Quran, what does He say? لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Indeed, Allah Ta'ala has sent His special grace and favor on the believers. إِذْ بَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ When He sent to them a prophet from their own midst, from their own selves, fellow human beings. Why? عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ To recite to them the verses of Qur'an. That's not enough. It's strange. The Qur'an is revealed in Arabic. In the dialect of the Quraysh, the Sahaba are fluent in the Arabic. And the blessed Prophet ﷺ from his blessed heart to his blessed tongue is going to recite Qur'an. And the people listening are Sahaba Ikram. It's not enough. We use the key here. I'll tell, tell the Prophet ﷺ, just Qur'an won't be enough. And just Qur'an is not enough for Sahaba. <laughs> If just Qur'an is not enough for Sahaba, and they don't even need translation, they are native speakers of classical Qur'anic Arabic. If just Qur'an is not enough for them, then what hope do me and you have that just English translation is going to be enough for us? Will you zakihim? Allah Ta'ala tells the Prophet you have to do their tazkiyah. You have to spiritually purify them. You have to adorn them and empower them with all of the sifat, attributes of iman, characteristics of believers, your adab, your akhlaq, and, O oh, Prophet your ahwal, your kafiyat, your feelings in your heart. You have to put that in their heart. Yes, the feeling of love you have for Allah, put it in their heart. The feeling of tawakkul you have for Allah, put it in their heart. The feeling of fear you have for Allah, put it in their heart. The feeling of haya you have, taqwa you have, sabr you have, sugar you have, put it in their heart. We use the key him. So even sahaba needed tazkiyah. Huh? They were lucky, they had the greatest spiritual doctor. His name was Sayyidina Rasulullah That's where they got the greatest spiritual health. That's why nobody can ever reach the Tazkiyah Sahaba because nobody had a Muzaki like the Sahaba had. You understand? Nobody can reach this level of spiritual purity of Sahaba because none of them had the kind of doctor, spiritual doctor that they had. But that's another level. Okay, what about me and you? What are we supposed to do? Allah tells us in Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu That this is the most common widespread address in Quran. In Arabic grammar, Alladheena amanu is even a lower level than mu'mini. Yes, I can try to give you a flavor, a taste of this in English. Alladheena amanu, those who profess belief. Al-mu'mineen, the believers. Maybe you can taste in English that al-mu'mineen is a stronger word. So Alladheena amanu is bare minimum entry level. At the very least, if somebody says, I want to scrape by in my deen, I say, okay, if you want to scrape by, that's not a nice thing to say, right? If a medical student tells me that, oh, I want to scrape by, I want to get all D's, you guys would say, we really want such a person like that practicing medicine, right? I would say, yeah, you want to get all D's? Maybe I'll let you put a bandit on me, all right? If that's your attitude towards your education. But some of us have this strange attitude towards our deen. Spare minimum, coasting. Hmm? Have you ever met a student like that? A different, I don't know what your South African, African system of education is. In the U.S., 60 normally was passing. Can you imagine a student who says, I only want a 60? And they say that about everything, about every subject. Hmm? Anyway, if a person said, okay, I'm going to scrape by in deen, I'll say, all right. Every single thing Allah Ta'ala has said in Quran addressing, amunu, you better do that. Because there's no, no lower level than that. If you're below Alladina Amanu, you're in danger. <laughs> you're in danger of going the other way. <laughs> you're in danger of losing your iman before you pass away. It's possible. We think it's not possible. We just assume because we're born and raised in Muslim families and our fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers are Muslim that this iman is guaranteed with us until we die. It's not a guarantee. If you don't nurture it, if you don't nourish it, if you don't cater to it, if you don't feed it, if you don't honor it, if you're not grateful for it, you can end up losing it. You can end up losing it. It may start with secularizing, then it becomes agnostic, then it becomes atheist. I've seen it happen to students, Right? You have to feed this iman. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. So what did Allah tell us? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullah. That oh you have iman, have taqwa. Fear Allah Ta'ala as He deserves to be feared. Love Allah as He deserves to be loved. Wakunu ma'as sadiqeen. That join your very being with the sadiqeen. 
Kunu is your whole existence. Allah says, Kun fayakun, be and it becomes. Kun fayakun, exist and it exists. Kunu ma sadikin, your very being, your very existence should be ma'a, ma'iyat, should be in deep, intimate, close association and companionship with the sadikin. Who are sadikin? That's the next level of people after Nabi. Prophet ﷺ was last Nabi. So who's left on earth is sadikin. They can be what you call the true followers of the prophets, the true lovers of Allah SWT, the true believers. Me and you are ordinary believers, but there will always be some true believers in this world. So we have to be with them. That's a relationship. That's a relationship. Like you want the patient to have a good doctor-patient relationship, you also have to be in relationships. The doctors of physical health have to become patients of spiritual health. And it's a very difficult thing to do. Because in society, many societies, doctors are considered the most elites. One exception, is, by the way, I found is Germany. Germany is our kind of place. In Germany, professors are considered the most elite profession. And professors are the most respected people. And I've been stunned over that. Even as a PhD student, they give us an office and a computer, and we all share a secretary. Because professors have the most prestige over there. Normally, though, in most cultures, doctors have a very high level of prestige. That's very hard when people look at you with respect, when people give you position and prestige, for you to realize that you're actually still needy, that you're a work in progress, that you have some flaws in you spiritually. It's very hard to do that. It takes honesty and it takes humility. It takes honesty and it takes humility. But if you have these two things, you'll realize that, okay, in one hand, I'm a doctor and I cure others. In another world, how do I be patient? <laughs> I need to be cured of different sicknesses and spiritual diseases I have in my heart. So, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Allah Ta'ala said, Quran, indeed, successful, falah. Falah means that success after which there is no failure. That triumph and joy after which there is no sadness. Falah. Like Allah Ta'ala calls us to salah, hayal al-falah. Come to this falah. Come to this triumphant, victorious joy and success. So who will get that? مَنْ زَكَّاهَا That person who purifies their nafs. It's an active thing you have to do. You have to actively do your tazkiyah. You need to get a prescription for that. You need to fill that prescription. You need to come for follow-ups. You need to get treated. You need to be monitored. This keeps continuing. Yes? Keeps continuing. You have to do your tazkiyah. So that you can become spiritually healthy. So what are the elements of tazkiyah? So let's look at the model that is in the Quran and Sunnah. Alright? Let's start with the Prophet's own model. So the first thing is called suhbah. We all call them sahaba. I can even tell you atheist historians of Islam, they also call them sahaba. We could have come up with many names for them. We could have called them awalun, we could have called them sabikun, we could have called them many things, no. Their defining feature is suhbah. That they got to be in the company of Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. So how did the Prophet do their tazkiyah? Just through suhbah. Now you haven't studied hadith, but maybe I'll show you a little bit. Sayyidina Rasulullah Nabuat was for 23 years. You can study that in Sirah. The amount of things he said is relatively small. If you add up all the hadith, it's not 23 years worth of talking. Alright? So what was happening the rest of the time? Just sitting. And the hadith, I talk about this. That sometimes the Prophet would just be sitting with the Sahaba. That's it. And I even mentioned that they would be sitting in such pin drop silence that birds would even land and perch on their shoulders. That's how motionless and still and silently they would just sit in the suhbah in the company of Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There was a group of people known as Ashab al-Suffa. Anyone of you had the blessing to go to Madinah Manara for Umrah, may Allah tell take all of us there ever and ever again. And if you go to Masjid Nabwi, that's, that's there. There's a little raised platform, which was the bench, right? And they hardly got maybe 30 to 60 minutes with the Prophet What were they doing the rest of the time? Just in Sohbah. <laughs> just being near him, just being close to him. That's what they did. This is part of the Sunnah. This is part of the Sunnah. So this is in the Sunnah model. What's the next thing that happened? They used to ask the Prophet some questions. They used to ask the Prophet questions. Much of the hadith is actually the Prophet responding to questions that Sahaba asks. And they are very open people. Can you believe one Sahabi, he went to the Prophet and he asked the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, grant me permission to commit zina. Ya Allah. <laughs> We'd be terrified. We would never ask our local Imam this question. He said, he goes to Nabi Salam, and he says, grant me permission to commit zina. Why? They were very honest, straightforward people. They had no airs about them. 
They had no airs about them. He was feeling an incredible desire and he couldn't overcome as he told the Prophet, I can't control this desire. I'm trying to control it. I can't control it. I'm trying to control it. I can't control it. So I've come to you asking you to give me permission to do it. See? So Sayyidina Susan didn't get angry with him, didn't yell at him, didn't start screaming at him. He said, okay, tell me just one thing. That would you like if somebody were to do zina with your mother? He said, no. Okay, would you like if somebody were to do zina with your sister? He said, no. Would you like somebody to do zina with your daughter? He said, no. He said, okay, any woman that you would like to do zina with, she must necessarily be either somebody's mother or somebody's sister or somebody's daughter. Look at the beautiful way of explaining. Look at beloved Nabi Kareem Sassam, soft, gentle, loving Nabi. Huh? Explained him and he brought him to the point. That same Sahaba was at such an extreme that he's even asking the Prophet to give me permission to commit zina. I don't think any of you would ask an alim or shaykh this question, right? You might do it secretly. There's no you come to ask and ask him permission, right? No way. So he was on a serious extreme, that Sahaba, right? He must have been overwhelmed by this feeling. It happens sometimes. Nafs overwhelms a person. That's why deed has hidayah to help us. You know, some people don't realize that they think, no, I couldn't control my lust, or I couldn't control my anger, or I couldn't control my tongue. You're right, you couldn't control it. But why don't you realize your deen has the hidayah in it? The deen has the power to help. The deen has the power to guide. The deen has the power to change everything in us. That's how I knew that I go to my Nabi Kareem Sallallahu So then the Sahaba said, no, I would never want this. Okay. Then when the apostles have told him that whoever you would like to do zina with must be somebody's mother and sister, sister or daughter, so he realized. But the hadith continues. Then Sayyidina Sami took his hand and put it on his chest. Yes, this is also part of the spiritual cure. He took his hand and he put it on his chest. And he made dua for that sahabi. Now the apostle didn't have to put the hand on the chest. He put the hand on his chest and he made dua for the sahaba. And the sahaba says that after that moment, there was nothing more disliked by me than the concept of unlawful zina. This is tazkiyah. <laughs> this is patient going to spiritual doctor and getting spiritual cure. And he's successful. This is the proof of his success. He's saying that from this moment onward, there was nothing that I was more uninterested in, nothing that was more displeasing to me, nothing that was more disliked to me. Cured. Kad aflahman zakaha. So this is also the sunnah model. To ask, to inquire, to get the cure. Then sometimes Sahaba, they would inform the Prophet of their condition. Inform. They would let the Prophet know that, oh, we're feeling this, we're feeling that. And most importantly, whatever the Prophet told them to do, they would do it. This is called ittiba. They would follow his instructions. They would follow his guidelines. They would follow the prescription he gave them. Now I want to show you from Quran. The entire prophetic model of tazkiyah is there for me and you. So it's the first thing we said, Suhbah. I already showed you that. Allah taught what us. Alladhina amanu what? Kunu ma sadiqin. You also go for Suhbah. You need the same Suhbah. You need the companionship and association with the Sadiqin. Same model that the Prophet used for Sahaba is the same model all of us have to follow. Then what was the next thing we said? They used to ask questions. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, Fas'alu ahla dhikri in kuntum la ta'lamun. Ask the Ahl Dhikr. I think all of you know enough Arabic to see this. Ask, make su'al from the Ahl Dhikr, the people who have remembrance of Allah in their heart. In kuntum la ta'lamun, if you don't know. Now the Akal would have said, Allah Ta'ala should have said, Fasul Ahl Ilmi in kuntum la ta'lamun, if you don't know, ask the people who know. Allah was teaching us, if you don't know, ask the people of zikr. Why? Because your searching for knowledge isn't just for your intellectual edification. It's not just an academic exercise that you should get knowledge from people who just know. No. The purpose of getting knowledge indeed is to do amal on it and to have ikhlas in that amal. Therefore, if you don't know something, ask the people who have the knowledge and practice the knowledge and feel the knowledge and live the knowledge and do so sincerely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. That's called now, you think this applies just to academic knowledge. This is applying to spiritual. If you don't know how to lower your gaze, if you don't know how to wake up for Fajr without missing it, 
If you don't know how to feel the zikr of Allah in your salah, and you've been praying in an unfeeling way for years, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ Ask the people of zikr. If you don't have good terms with your spouse, you're not getting along, you're having marital problems. Whereas the Prophet said that the best of you in Allah's regard is the one who is best to his life. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا That you're supposed to get sukoon from her. And what are you supposed to do from وَآشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And you should keep her in the best of way. Allah Ta'ala is pleading the case of the wives in Quran. وَآشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ That, oh men, you must keep your wives in the best of ways. You're not able to do it. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ Ask. إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا If you don't know how to do it. If you're not able to do it, ask. Inquire. Learn. Be trained. Be trained in how to live the deen. Be trained in how to feel the deen. We don't go for that training. We just think that we're believers and that's enough. But if I accept an imam, and I pray Jummah, and I pray Eid, and I pray Salah, and I go to Hajj, and I go to Umrah, and I fast Ramadan, but are you living deen? Are you feeling deen? Do you feel the feelings of Qur'an? If you don't have those feelings, it's not done yet. We're a work in progress. You know? We're going to go into relapse. Yes. You may go on Umrah and you may save yourself from lust from there. When you come back, you go into relapse. Or people go on Hajj and they come back and they sin and they come and tell me, I don't know what's the matter with me. I went on Hajj. And even after I came back from Hajj, I still miss Fajr. Even after I came back from Hajj, I couldn't control my gaze. Even I came back from Hajj, me and my wife had argument. You go into relapse. <laughs> and you think your language. Why? Because you didn't take the full course of the antibiotic. Sometimes it comes back stronger. Yes? <laughs> you didn't take the full course. It came back stronger. And some of you, yes, you get resistance. <laughs> yeah, Allahu Akbar. You say, I sit and talk and it has no effect on me. I hear Quran and it has no effect on my heart. I hear Hadith and Nabiya and it has no effect on me. Yes, and there are some people like that. We can tell. Their hearts, they cannot reach their hearts. The Nasiha, the reminders and guidance of deen does not enter into their heart. They become resistant. Allahu Akbar Kabeera. Hmm? No, no, no. Al-Aman al-Hafiz, may Allah save us from such a thing. You need soft heart. You need melted heart. You need open heart. You need to fill that heart with the teachings of Quran and the teachings of Nabi Akrim, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is tazkiyah. This is tazkiyah. Then we have another poem today that some people, they think that deen is just about texts and books. And that's it. So if I want to mean deen, I should get a few books of hadith, a few books of this, a few books of that, make a nice bookshelf. And I will just read and I will practice. And they will actually come and tell you this. And they will tell you that, look, you don't need people. You don't need people indeed. Let me show you from Quran. <laughs> what does Allah Ta'ala say in Quran? Allah Ta'ala made us make a dua. This is the most recited dua in the history of this ummah. What is that dua? Ihdina. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem. Allah Ta'ala give us hidayah on the straight path. What is that path? Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. It's a path of people. Al-ladheena means those people. An'amta alayhim. That you Allah, you have blessed those people. Literally people will try to come and tell you there's no such concept as blessed people in Islam. Everybody's the same. Everybody's equal. We call this in philosophy leveling. That you try to level everyone, this is individualism. Try to level everyone as an equally atomistic individual. That's against Quran. <laughs> Allah is saying in Quran, that there's some people who are Alladina Amanu, those who believe, and there's some people within that who are Alladina An'amta Alayhim, that you Allah have blessed them. How can you say there's no concept to people in Islam when every day, in every salah, every rakah you make this dua? Hmm? So they are people who are blessed by Allah Ta'ala. Okay, and it's not just that they exist. Allah Ta'ala is saying that we are begging Allah to be guiding to them. Because <laughs> Sirat al-Mustaqim is them. Allah Ta'ala defines Sirat al-Mustaqim is these people. And you, believers, you will beg me five times a day in every rakah, every salah to be guided to these people. You imagine? <laughs> on the one hand, you're asking, begging Allah Ta'ala to guide you to those people. On the other hand, you have this philosophy that there's no need for people. Strange. <laughs> Strange. And, and many of you even know the translation of Fatiha. You haven't reflected on it. You haven't reflected on the meaning. Who are those people Allah Ta'ala only can say in Quran? And He has said in Quran, الَّذِينَ عَنْعَمُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِهِينَ وَالسِّدِّكِينَ وَالشُهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِهِينَ who are the people who Allah Ta'ala blessed? Nabi, all prophets. Okay? But they're no longer alive anymore because the Prophet was the last and final prophet. Siddiqeen, they're still alive. And they will always be alive until the end of time. There may be fewer of them. 
You may not, all of you may not be able to recognize them, but they will always be alive. With shuhada, by definition, they're also no longer with us, right? By the very definition. With salihin and the virtuous upright believers, they will also be alive. In other words, in order to be on hidayah according to Quran, you have to be guided by siddiqeen and salihin. You have to be guided by siddiqeen and salihin. It's not just enough to come have a couple of books. So me and you, we aren't in those relationships of guidance. You know, when I moved from New York to Lahore in 1999, one of the first things I did is, okay, I have to make sure I get an eye doctor. I have to line up you guys, right? I need my eye doctor. I need my dentist. I need these things. I make sure I make those relationships, right? Then I started traveling to England a lot. I lined up a couple of people over there. MashaAllah, they lined you guys up for me here. I know I'm in okay. I know I'm safe. If I have an issue, I have the Salihin and Siddiqeen of medical health in front of me. Hmm? So I'm relaxed. <laughs> you should be the same way. You should have a relationship with ulama and mashayikh. So that you should be there. You should have those contacts, those links, those relationships. So if there's any problem, you have someone to go to. You have someone to ask. You have someone to learn from. Why are you living in your own individual bubble? That's what Allah is not saying. He's not saying go alone. He's saying, Alladina sirat alladina anamta alayhim. It's a path that has their footprints on it. Oh believers, you put your footsteps in their footprints and you will be rightly guided. That's what Allah must keep. Yes. It's on an untrodden path. It's a well-trodden path. Their footprints are on that path. You put your footsteps in their footprints, you will be guided. Yeah? And it's like that in any proper field of learning. Right? Any proper field of learning. There's always experts in that field. You have to learn from the experts. That's called residency. If somebody comes up to me and says, I'm a surgeon, I say, okay, did you do residency? I don't know what you call residency. You call it house job or officer or whatever. We call it residency in America. He says, no, I never did residency. I said, what did you do? He said, I went to med school. I said, then? And then I got these hundred books on surgery and I read all of them. I said, you're not touching me. I said, you're a bandit. <laughs> you can put a bandit on me. Even then I'm going to watch you. <laughs> right? What? Why? Why do you have residency? I'm sure you have the same system here, right? Why? Because you have to learn from the experts. You have to learn from people. You have to learn from people. You want to be a surgeon? Spend five years in the sohbah of a surgeon. That's what they say. Spend five years in the sohbah of a surgeon. And in that sohbah, ask and inquire everything. Inform him of what you're thinking. Present your thinking to him. You think there's a technique. You think, share it with him first. Do it second. So if that's true about learning something like physical health, when are you going to realize it's all the more true about spiritual health? Yeah, do a residency with one of the oliyah, mashayikh. Then you get a clean bit of health. Yes. I'm going to come to you later and tell you this. Oh, we're offering a residency package for you. Yes. I'm about to launch a residency, spiritual residency package for the... Yes? I'm not kidding. Yeah. Learn it. You'll enjoy life. Everything in deen becomes easy. When? When you get the love for Allah Ta'ala in your heart. You know, in English we have a saying, it's called first things first. Very simple. First things first. Everything else is second. Alright? What's the first thing in our deen? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ هُمَّ لِلَّهِ Same thing. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا hmm? Same thing. Who are they? Those who believe أَشَدُّ هُمَّ لِلَّهِ They're extremely intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa But just keep working on this. Until you become Allah Ta'ala's lover, you can't fix the ummah. You can't do it, I'm telling you. I know you would love to do it. It's not going to happen. Allah Ta'ala will never take that work from you. Never in history has anyone other than the lover of Allah Ta'ala fixed the ummah. It's not possible. First things first. First things first. Can I fix the healthcare profession? You'll say, not even a doctor. Right? I say, I'm going to reform the entire healthcare profession in America. I'm going to go to NIH. They'll say, okay, who are you? I say, Kamal Dinama, the Islamic history. They say, nice to meet you. You're a nice guy. We love the accent. Sit down. You can't do anything for us. You can't do anything for us. <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't fix someone until you're a lover of Allah SWT. First things first. People are always talking about leadership. Right? What percentage of the ummah is going to be leaders? 0.01%. What percent will be followers? 99.99%. Let's say I even managed to teach you how to be a good leader. If the rest of you aren't taught how to be good followers, the system's not going to work. The system's not ask anybody in government. The system won't work. The system won't work. So we have to get this love for Allah subhanahu in our heart. That is the sign of purity. If you want to know, is my nafs pure? Is my heart pure? Do you have this love for Allah or not? How do you check that? You look at your salah. 
Salah is a daily check. You know, like they make the diabetes, they're pricking themselves, checking their sugar level. Huh? Right? Some of you guys have the whole blood, what, I don't know what you call it, blood pressure, different things. I have asthma. One guy tried to convince me to get a peak flow meter and like keep blowing it all the time and recording values for him. Alright? So I tell you, you check your salah. Salah is your peak flow meter. How much love do you feel for Allah Ta'ala inside your salah? Not saying outside. Fine with that. In your hospital, you're busy. No problem. No problem with that. You're busy in the hospital. Well and good. You're busy in the clinic. Well and good. We have no, we have no, I don't touch it at all. I want you to 100% be as busy as you are in the medical profession. It's up to me. I'd ship you all up to Syria today and make you more busy. I don't touch any of that. What do you like when you stand on this musallah and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's your check. You see, because what is prayer? Prayer is when the lover is talking to their beloved. What is prayer? The lover is alone with their beloved. Can you imagine somebody says that I love Allah? So I say, okay, when you're alone with your beloved, no, I feel no love. Has any lover ever, can a lover say that? That I'm a lover, and when I'm alone with my beloved, and talking to my beloved, I feel no love at all. I say, you're not a lover. <laughs> you, I don't know what you are, but I can tell you one thing, you are not a lover. <laughs> this is not love, it's not possible. Not possible. Mm-hmm. Fix your salah, first things first. If you can't fix your salah, how are you going to fix the ummah? Huh? It's not possible. Uh, it's not, it's a dream. You may be very sincere about it, accept that. I'm not make, I'm not poking fun at you. You have sincere wishes. But you're not equipped to do it. You're not equipped to do it. First things first. First things first. That's your check. I don't have to run that check on you. You run your check five times a day and you'll see whether you love Allah Ta'ala or not. And if you find, which I think most of us will be honest to say, that I don't feel anything in my salah. You need help. You need help. Your heart has become paralyzed. Look, I'll give you an example from your field. If I give somebody something sweet, a dessert, and they taste it, they say, I can't taste the sweetness. They say, I can't taste the sweetness. Like, you're okay. I pour a bag of sugar on it. I said, taste it now. They taste it. I can't taste the sweetness. Pour a jar of honey on it. I said, taste it now. They say, I can't taste the sweetness. What will you say? You say, this person's sick. Their taste buds have been spoiled, right? They're sick. And they need to be cured. Because they're putting something sweet in their mouth, but they can't taste its sweetness. Infinitely more true than that is that somebody's praying salah, and they don't feel the love and remembrance of Allah Ta'ala in their heart, they need to be cured. They need to be cured. There's a sweetness in salah. There's a feeling in the salah. You poured a bag of sugar on your kalab, it's called surah fatah, and you don't feel anything? You poured a jar of honey on your heart, it's called sajda, you don't feel anything? Hmm? Hmm? What makes you think you don't need to be treated? You need to be cured. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ لِذِكْرِ That establish salah for my dhikr is a purpose. There's a maqsad here. And we pray purposelessly, without purpose, without the goal. People talk about goal-oriented life. Why don't we pray a goal-oriented prayer? The goal of our salah is to remember Allah Ta'ala, to feel love for Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. First things first. That's why Allah said, Bunyan al-Islam al-Khams and it's not actually pillars, it's an incorrect translation. Five foundations. Bunya is five foundations. The foundation of deen is in salah. If you don't have a good foundation, you can't build anything on top of that. You can't do anything without a good foundation. To work on our salah. It's a test of our spiritual health. It's a test of our spiritual health. But we have to get busy. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala gave us all of this learning and all these degrees and all these abilities and all the talents of the dunya. Do you know how tragic it would be that a person is so talented and skilled in dunya and they don't have talents of deen, untalented in deen? It's a tragedy. If a person is rich in this world, we say in Urdu, dunya mein amir or akhirat mein fakir. Hmm? Can you imagine how sad that would be? Then in the world we have every bounty and blessing and comfort and leisure and pleasure and we show up on the Day of Judgment destitute, devoid, empty of those feelings in the heart that would have got Allah Ta'ala's mercy, Book of Deeds, empty of those acts of worship and deed that would have gotten Allah Ta'ala's mercy. Hmm? And what are we going to do? Hmm? All the diplomas and degrees in the world won't benefit us. I have them too. I have all the diplomas and degrees. But I know they're not going to benefit me on the Day of Judgment. I'm not counting on them. I'm not relying on them. I know I have to do something more. 
I'll give you an example from education. My field. Sometimes when in Pakistan we sit together and talk about education, so we talk about this concept of untapped potential. Unrealized potential. What does that mean? That there must be some kid out there who could have been the future Einstein. But don't worry, I will very quickly make it up to you. Like you guys put the injection in, but then very nicely put the cotton and give me a lollipop in my mouth. Hmm? Alright, when I was a kid, now you don't even give us a lollipop. Huh? Huh? So it's okay, I'll treat you like kids, I'm going to give you the lollipop. First the injection. First the injection. What is that? That not every one of you here today will be able to reach the height of your profession. Allah Ta'ala hasn't given every one of you that level of talent. Not every one of you will be chief consultant. Not every one of you will know Nobel Prize in medicine. Just not going to happen. Not everyone has that level of potential in dunya. Okay, now the lollipop. However, every single one of you has the potential to be the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single one. Yes? As long as you have a drop of iman in your heart. Some of you may be thinking that he doesn't know me. <laughs> he doesn't realize, huh? He's looking too much at the I and IMA. Huh? He's looking at the I and IMA. No, no, no. I know you. It doesn't matter. No matter how many sins you may have done. No matter if you've never even prayed once in your life up till now. If you have one drop of Iman, the potential of that Iman is it can take you all the way to the wilayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the way to Jannatul Firdos. And what is Jannatul Firdos? You become the eternal Sahabi of Sayyidina Rasulullah you would have liked to have been Madani Sahabi. That would have lasted 23 years. Allah Ta'ala is offering another thing for you. You can be Jannati Sahabi. Abidi Sahabi. Every single believer has that potential. It's just your choice. Whether you want to do this dasky or not. Whether you want to learn how to love Allah Ta'ala or not. Whether you want to learn how to make the zikr of Allah Ta'ala or not. When you want to learn how to follow the sunnah or not. It's your choice. Whether you do it or don't. There's some choices in life that are limited. Right? They may be prescribed by our own intelligence. There are different limitations, parameters on a person. But deen is unlimited. It's absolutely unlimited potential of this imam. Unlimited. It's our own failure that we've left it untapped and underutilized. Now, all of you would say this to your children. A couple of your sons seem to be here. If your child doesn't fulfill this potential, you'll be upset. You'll say, look son, I made so much arrangement for education. I said to the best school, I've given you a laptop, I've given you whatever books you wanted. Everything was in place and still you didn't learn. Hmm? You'd be upset as a parent, right? Why? Because everything was there, but your child still chose to be the missing ingredient. Right? It's just like that in our deen. Allah Ta'ala has sent perfect hidayah in deen, perfect Qur'an al-Kareem, perfect Nabi al-Kareem sallallahu alayhi sallam. It's us who are the missing ingredient. We've chosen to be the missing ingredient in our own deen. Can <laughs> you imagine? Can <laughs> you imagine? And the problem is, it's not even on our wish list. If I was to ask you guys when I came and write down what the 10 things you want to accomplish in the next 10 years, how many of you have written this? That I want to make myself such that I would become genital for those. I want to get more taqwa. I want to get more haya. I want to never feel unlawful lust again. These are things I have to work on in the next 10 years. I want to pray salah that said every time I pray, I'm drowning in the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. I want to learn all of Allah Ta'ala's asmal husna. And I want to make dua to Allah using them. And I want my heart to be melted in every name. None of, none of these things are even on our remotest horizons. Hmm? We just said, said, oh, I'm going to open up another clinic. I'm thinking of upgrading my car. Right? Yes, sometimes we explain to people like this, you want to upgrade everything in your life. Everything in your life, you're so quality conscious, you want the highest quality, and you always want an upgrade. Huh? The boys know what I'm talking about. Huh? They have iPhone 4, they want to upgrade to 5. Even if you have the highest quality, you want to upgrade. Hmm? So when do you want to upgrade your taqwa? When are you going to upgrade your salah? When are you going to upgrade your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Huh? Everything in your life, your quality conscious, is it only the quality of your deen that you've not chosen to be conscious about? Everything in your life, you want to upgrade and an improvement and progress. Is it only your deen that you don't want to upgrade and improvement and progress? In? So now what's coming is called the month of Ramadan. This is an opportunity. You should be feeling it now. 
This is sunnah. Nabi Kareem Sassam, he used to feel it two months before. He used to make dua, Allah Ta'ala, give me barakah and rajab, give me barakah and shaban. Oh, you're Nabi Kareem Sassam, you're already perfect. He said, no, but I know what Allah Ta'ala has going to put on offer in Ramadan. He knew, he had marifat of Allah Ta'ala. He deeply knew Allah Ta'ala. He knew that in Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala offers limitless, endless qurb. You can get intimately close to Allah Ta'ala, become the lover of Allah Ta'ala, become the beloved of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And because Sayyidina Rasulullah was the greatest lover of Allah Ta'ala, so the true lover, their love is never fulfilled. They always want more. They always want to go deeper in that love. They always want to be more intense in that love. So two months before Ramadan, he was making dua. Allahumma barik, oh Allah, put barakah in my rajab, put barakah in my shaban, and make me reach this Ramadan. Look at this is sunnah, this is sunnah feeling. We have to start feeling like that. We have to start feeling like that. If this month of Ramadan is coming, it's the month where you upgrade. Yes, you upgrade your taqwa, you upgrade your sunnah, you upgrade your adab, you upgrade your akhlaq, you upgrade your salah, it's a month of upgrade. Even I can tell you, it's free upgrade. Yeah. Allah Ta'ala is offering free upgrade in the month of Ramadan of the any takers. Month of Ramadan, Jannat is on sale. Jannat is on sale in Ramadan, is there anyone who wants it? <coughs> yes, taqwa is on sale. Everything goes on sale in Ramadan. Hmm? Now this I think, I'm sure the ladies can appreciate this. Huh? You know what happens to them when things are on sale? MashaAllah. Huh? They go crazy. Huh? They want everything, even if they didn't need it. Why? Because it's on sale. It's, it's such a good deal, how can I resist? Some men are like that now also. They go for the deal, they love the deals. Right? So Allah Ta'ala is making you a great deal in Ramadan. Great deal. But you have to want it, you have to feel a yearning for it in your heart. So I want to end by telling you two, three practical advices. First thing is I want to show you practically how to prepare for this month of Ramadan. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a way to prepare in Rajab Shaban that requires no extra time on your part and requires no <coughs> extra effort on your part. Now they're happy. Huh? Like that, that, that's my kind of shaykh. Huh? No extra time and no extra effort. Huh? No extra time and no extra effort. And I'm only doing this for you because I want you to save your extra time and extra effort for that month of Ramadan. So I'll show you in Rajab and Shaban few small things to do that require no extra time and no extra effort. Number which way you can get qurb, you can get closer to Allah Ta'ala without extra time or without extra effort. It's about changing your heart. Number one, it's called shukr. Be more grateful to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And sometimes we call this take one shukr pill a day. You guys will know this in America we have one a day multivitamin. They say one a day and you're good to go. So take one sugar a day. What does it mean? Every day feel in your heart gratitude to Allah Ta'ala for one blessing in your life that up till that day you never ever thanked Allah Ta'ala for that before. You see Allah Ta'ala says in Quran even about the blessings in this world La tuhsuha You can never count them. You can never count them. What does it mean? Every day if you did shukr for a new blessing in your whole life, your days of your life would end, the blessings wouldn't end. Pick anything. And in your profession, mashallah, you have so many reminders around you. Hmm? Sometimes we give you an example of a thumb, just walk around like this, try to eat like this, just put one thumb on the side. You will make shukr for a thumb, which you never actually consciously, deliberately made shukr for this thumb before in your life. There's so many things, so many things. Your children came home safely from school that day. Make sugar to Allah Ta'ala. Anything could have happened. <laughs> Anything could have happened. There could have been an accident on the way home. Hmm? Let me give you your field, right? When we get sick, you say there's a bacteria that entered my body. I say, where did it come from? You say they're around you all the time. So I say, okay, but what about those other billions of bacteria that were around all the other time? I say, no, you're protected from that. Make sugar. <laughs> You, mashallah, walked through the wards of the hospital, huh? And you didn't get sick? How many billions of bacteria were in the air? Who protected you from getting sick? Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected you from getting sick. To shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? To shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once you start doing this, believe me, it's very easy. You'll be able to take one shukr candy a day. And some of you should be able to take two, three a day. Yes, once you, you should get on a roll. Once you start doing this, you'll be amazed. Open your fridge, do shukr to Allah Ta'ala. Hmm? 
You don't have fridge that is well stocked, and you, mashallah, South Africans, so you have the pantry, and some of you even have the cold room. I saw this once. Huh? Allah Akbar. That should have been in the morgue. You guys have it at your home. Yeah. I would know, but I've never in my life seen that in America. Not in anybody's house. It's there in the restaurants, I'm sure. Yeah. Do shukr to Allah. Do shukr to Allah for these bounties and blessings. Feel it. It's not enough to know Allah Ta'ala is Al-Kareem. You have to feel that Allah is being Kareem with me. You have to feel it. Become a person of feeling. Open up the fridge. Allah, you're being so kareem with me. <laughs> Eat your food. I digest it. Allah, you're so kareem with me. Get in your car. Allah, you're so kareem with me. Come home safely from work. Allah, you're so kareem with me. You have to start feeling these things. Start feeling the feelings of shukr. And you know, there's another group that called shakirin. They're the people who are always sucking on the candy of shukr. All the time, they're just sucking on the candy of shukr. They're grateful for everything. Every second of life, they're grateful. So start feeling shukr, right? Change your heart. Make it into a more grateful heart, more thankful heart, more appreciative heart. Won't take any extra time. You keep your schedule exactly the way it is. Just change your outlook on life. Second thing, have more sabr. Sabr means that anytime anything happens that was not according to your will, it can be a glitch, it can be a hassle, it can be a setback, it can be a failure, huh? it can be some opposition, so every day at least some glitches happen. Every day something happens, right? Find an opportunity to have sabr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have sabr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What will you get? Allah ta'ala said in Quran, Inna Allah ma'as-sabirin. You will get Allah. Allah Akbar. Doesn't require any extra time. Keep your schedule exactly the way it is. Change the outlook of your heart. Be more patient. Why? Because if you're impatient, it's never going to solve the issue. If you react, nothing will get better. If you get angry, nothing will get better. If you get fed up, frustrated, nothing will get better. If you get sad, depressed at the failure, nothing will get better. The only thing that happens when we don't do sabr is we lose out this reward of sabr. Inna Allah ma'asabreen. You lose out on Allah Ta'ala. You lost out on Allah Ta'ala. That's the only thing that happens when you fail to make sabr. So take one sabr a day. Some of you can take two or three sabr a day. And who are sabreen? Sabreen the ones who are sucking on the candy of sabr all day long. All the time to have sabr. It's about changing your heart. Changing your heart. Third thing. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu So these were two things about our relationship with Allah Ta'ala. Third thing about our relationship with creation. The Prophet said a beautiful hadith that if you give a fellow believer an unexpected happiness, when you do that, then Allah Ta'ala's special mercy will come on you and your du'as will be granted. So try every day to give somebody an unexpected <coughs> happiness. So for example, take a flower home to your wife. Now, some of you are living lives that if you take a flower home to your wife, she'll sit you down first and say, is everything okay? Are you feeling okay? Huh? She'll be so surprised. And then you insist, just to know, first tell me what you did, then give me the flower. What did you do? What did you do? What happened? Huh? Akbar. Huh? What did you do? Tell me first what you did and give me the flower second. Hmm? Surprise? Unexpected happiness. Allah's mercy will come. Make du'a right then. See how your du'a get accepted. You haven't tried the sunnah. You haven't tried to feel and live the sunnah. When you start feeling the feelings of sunnah and living the teachings of sunnah, your whole life becomes easy. <laughs> life becomes easy. Your children, normally probably most of us, we go straight to work in the morning. And it's fine, the children know that, that this is not the time my dad's going to sit and talk to me, or my mother's going to talk to me, they're going to go to work. One day surprise your children. Instead of going straight out the door, sit down and sit with them. They'll be surprised, unexpected happiness. Sit with them, talk to them a little bit, five minutes, ten minutes, three minutes, two minutes. You did your daily deed. Give them unexpected happiness for that day. Your mom, so all of us will call our mom if you don't live in the same city as your mother. You may call her... Depends, somebody calls twice a week, somebody calls three times a week, somebody calls once a day. Okay. Whenever you call your mom, a couple of hours later call her again. She won't be expecting it, because you just did your daily call, right? So call her two, three hours later. She'll be surprised to hear from you. So you just call, you say, yes, I just wanted to tell you I love you once more. That's it, 30 seconds. Believe me, that 30 second call will hit the heart of your mother more than your 10 minute daily call for the past year. Yes? It's also some new, because Allah Ta'ala guided him how to guide us. This is called Hidayah. 
Allah Ta'ala guided him how to guide us. Our problem, we don't let ourselves be guided by the guidance. <laughs> There's a word in Quran called muhtadun. It means those who let themselves be guided by the guidance. <laughs> we haven't let ourselves be guided by the guidance. Believe me, that 30 second call will hit melt your heart more than your 10 minute call every day for years. Give somebody an unexpected happiness every day. Your employees, your colleagues, nurses, or home household staff, sit down and ask them how they're doing. They'll never expect it from you. Some of you may not even know how many children they have. Ask them. Talk to them. That's a much better dawah. Right? And just going to Jamia Ulama office and getting some pamphlet and giving it to your workers and thinking you've done your duty. You haven't done your duty by giving somebody a pamphlet. That's not the sunnah way. Sunnah way is to show caring. Sunnah way is to do dawah from your heart. Is to reach out to them in a heartfelt way. And they may never even be expecting that. So these were a few small things. Many, many things. Like we once give a list of, I don't know, 20, 25 of these things. You've got the card, you can go on the website and listen. Alright? It's called Way of Siddiqeen Workshop. There are many things written there. Small things you can do to change your heart and become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that what happens so that when Ramadan comes, you now realize that what was Ramadan for? Ramadan is not the month to change your schedule. Ramadan is the month to change your heart. Most of us, what we do, we're expert pros at this. We're pros at Ramadan now. We just change our schedule. That's all we do. We change when we eat, and we change when we sleep. That's it. That's the only difference. And even our family members knows it. They know, okay, he likes his tea at this time, he has to get this at this time. They also know the schedule. But when they know Ramadan's coming, they take out the schedule, they take out the menu, they put it. The second Ramadan goes, they put it back in the door, you change your schedule back. That's it. That's all we're doing in Ramadan. We change our schedule on the last, on the night before Ramadan, and we change it back on the day of Eid. Not, Ramadan has not come for us to change our schedule. Ramadan is to come for us to change our heart. If you change your schedule without changing your heart, you didn't benefit from Ramadan. <laughs> So I told you in Rajab and Shaban, practice what? Change your heart without changing your schedule. That's what I want you to practice. Change your heart without changing your schedule. That's why I said I won't take any time. Change your heart without changing your schedule. And then in Ramadan, change your heart while changing your schedule. Then you'll see you fly to the Qurba of Allah SWT. And in the last 10 days of Ramadan, we're offering a spiritual residency course. Yes, that's the last thing I want to tell you today. Last 10 days of Ramadan, we're offering spiritual residency course. Come and intern under us for 10 days. Yes, this is called Sunnah Itikaf. Sunnah Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sayyidina Rasulullah was the greatest lover of Allah Ta'ala. And when he was in Ramadan, he was enjoying this Ramadan so much that when it came to the last 10 days, he said, Okay, now we drop everything. We drop dawah. We drop everything that we're doing. And he him and he told Sahaba that we just sat in the masjid. Can you imagine what a beautiful scene that must have been? Hmm? This must have been one of the most beautiful scenes to be witnessed in the history of this earth. That Sayyidina Rasulullah is in Masjid Nabwi. Many Sahaba are in Masjid Nabwi. And all of them have one fikr, one yearning. They just want to become closer to Allah Ta'ala. They want to become more beloved to Allah Ta'ala. They want to become more pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Sayyidina Bakr is making dua. Sayyidina Umar is making dua. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah is making dua. Sayyidina Rasulullah is making dua. Hmm? Allah Akbar. Just a gathering of such Siddiqeen and gathering of Imam and Sayyidina Rasulullah This is called Sunnah Etikaf This is the Sunnah of the Prophet There's no better way to get closer to Allah Ta'ala Than through the Sunnah of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam So we're telling you a full two and a half months in advance So you plan your schedule Make your schedule Do all your appointments now Clear your schedule And if you're willing to travel a little bit to us So we're making a small deal with you I'll come from halfway around the world and do itikaf, inshallah, in Stanger Masjid, last 10 days of the month of Ramadan. You come from Joburg. Yes, I'll travel a few thousand kilometers, and you'll travel a few hundred kilometers maybe. I don't know how far it is for you. And spend 10 days with us. Why? Because we have specifically been sent by our shaykh to conduct this 10-day sunnah itikaf on this theme of purification of the heart. And we are already preparing. Yes. We're day and night praying to Allah Ta'ala and day and night preparing for this program. So somehow we're begging that Allah Ta'ala accept it. That in 10 days people can come and get this purification of heart. 
all of the talks will be English and all of the programs will be on this. How to purify our heart. That's the best we can do for you. So we can come to you on your turf. We can come to you at IMA Beitul Ilm. And then we came in Beitul Nur in Durban. And we even went to the hotel. Yes, that's how much we want you. I even showed up in that hotel. Huh? I even showed up at your convention. Hmm? What more can I do? So now I want you to return the favor. I want you to come to me and sting. That's it. I'm a very honest person. Straightforward person. I came to you for a reason. Yes. I came to you because I want you to come to us. Yes. If you can't spend all ten days, give me the weekends. If you can't do both, there are two weekends coming in the last ten days this year, inshallah. Give me one weekend. Take some time out of your life for this great sunnah to connect your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To purify your heart. Sometimes to connect, we have to disconnect. That's itikaf. We have to disconnect from the world sometimes to connect to Allah Ta'ala. Because we're so mired down in the world. That's why actually we're supposed to disconnect five times a day. But we're so connected to the world, we're unable to disconnect. So the barakah of Ramadan, the barakah of Masjid, the barakah of Sunnah itikaf will inshallah enable us to disconnect. Will enable us to disconnect. Either way, all our du'as are for you. We're very happy that Alhamdulillah as doctors you've chosen to make this association that you valued your deen, you valued your iman, you wanted to use your talents and skills of the dunya to serve your deen and to serve your ummah. You have all of our hearts to us for this effort. And we just hope that Allah will increase you in this and bring even so many of the Muslim doctors who are not even in this association to bring them in this. And some of them may be suffering from disease of atheism, of agnosticism, and that's why they're not in this. So we hope Allah Ta'ala cures them of this misconception and this misunderstanding they have and that Allah sends the nur of his hidayah onto their hearts as well. And we hope that those of you who have this hidayah and have iman, you can make this iman stronger and stronger and stronger and more robust so that the nur of this iman changes your life and through you this nur can inshallah change the lives of others. May Allah Ta'ala accept our coming here today, sitting with each other, meeting each other for his name and parting with one another for his sake. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله لم